You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. How are we doing? It's good to see y'all. Uh, man, I want to thank Trinity for being home last week and preaching with us and preaching to us. And I love that. Love having him home. Uh, some great stuff going on this week in, in the life of Pursuit Bible Church. And uh, uh, also just want to uh, draw your attention back to that announcement for uh, Harvest. We are signed up and we're part of over 100 churches in the Metroplex that are partnering with Harvest America and we're one of the follow-up churches. Uh, so what that means is, and, and they're looking for volunteers in all positions. So if you want to go be an usher or a greeter, um, help in any of those areas, if you want to be in the, we'll actually be working in the follow-up room. So as those people come and make those professions of faith and those decisions, they'll be filling out cards. So people to pray with them and they'll fill out that information that will go into another room. That's where we'll be. Um, we'll be in there helping to sort those cards and we're one of the follow-up churches. So if there's anyone that is in our zip code, then we will send letters out to those that have made that profession of faith. And then we're going to be manning a follow-up team um, in the days and weeks after the, the, the event so that we'll be calling those that made a decision so we can try to connect them with a the church. And so if that's something you want to help us with, we'd love to get you connected in that um, because everything about our life is, is about the gospel. It's about getting the gospel to as many people as we can and seeing people saved for the glory of God. And so uh, you can sign up for that. Also, May 19th, we're having an event um, that we're partnering with called Man Up. And um, it's going to be held, um, you know, the ball fields are like right there, right? There's a football field right there, and that's where the event's going to be, May 19th from 3.30 to 6.30. And they did an event, and so ladies, just you think, can ladies go? Yes, you can go. Um, because what's funny, it's a, it's a men's ministry event, but the first person that got saved last year was a woman. Um, so, um, so it's awesome. And so we are a partner church with that. And so we're looking for volunteers to man a creek booth uh, for the 3.30 to 6.30, Saturday, May 19th. Um, and that one will be really easy because people, if they want information about the church, where you'll be, you just go, it's right there. Like, well, what church are you at? <laughs> that one right there. Um, you know, and um, no, it's not a fireplace that's being built back here. I had multiple questions about the cinder block tower that we're building. Um, that is not a fireplace. That's an elevator shaft. I was like, that would be pretty awesome to have a giant fireplace in our lobby, which we could use like two Sundays a year. Um, but uh uh, you, so if you want to be a part of that team on May 19th, also prayer team. And, and here's, let me say this. We need men and women on that prayer team for May 19th because, like I said last year, the first person that got saved was a female. We want women to pray with the women, men to pray with the men. Um, and so you can sign up for that at the Welcome Center. It is an awesome thing to be involved with in our community. I've been able to meet some even more pastors in our community that have, have moved in and launched churches. And, and so we're getting relationships built um, so that we can... And see people's lives change for the glory of God in our, in our backyard, man. So it's awesome. So we're starting a new series today called Interactions. And uh, um, so if you got your Bible, go to Luke chapter 17. If you don't have a Bible, we keep them on the back cabinets for you. If you don't own one, then please take it. That is our gift to you. We want you to have that. You can follow on, the, on your smartphone. You can follow on the screen. I just, I just want you to get into the word because my words do not transform you. These words transform you. 
And so the more time you spend looking and engaging with God's words, um, that's where life change happens. And so uh, feel free to underline, highlight, make notes. You can write in your Bible. I have notes all over my Bible. It's awesome. Uh, But Luke 17 is where we're going to be. This series called Interactions, it's where Jesus... we're going to look at some interactions he has with some people and, uh, and how lives are changed when we truly interact with Jesus. And in this particular uh, story, Jesus interacts with 10 lepers, not leopards. Um, Adam kept saying leopards this week. And I was like, no, it, he, he didn't like heal the spots on leopards. It was, he, he healed the spots on lepers. Um, and so if you don't know what a leper is, a leprosy is a serious skin disease. And uh, in some cases, there's multiple forms. Some cases, it attacks nerve endings and, and actually causes people to not feel pain. And what happens and why that's so dangerous is that if they can't feel pain in their extremities, they may, they may cut themselves, that cut gets infected, and because they can't feel the pain, they just lose limbs. Um, and so leprosy was a serious disease. We've pretty much eradicated in our culture. There are some nations and cultures in the world today still that, that deal with leprosy. Um, but what would happen in context of this culture, um, if you've seen the Monty Python movies or anything, they have to walk around in, in robes shouting, unclean, unclean. You know, somebody, help me out. Somebody, you've seen the movie. Okay, man, it's merely a flesh wound. Um, but um, don't you wish people broadcast what their issues were though? Like you walking down the street, like, and they would, the, the priest would declare them unclean ceremonially and physically. And so they had to be, they were separated from society. And, and, and what, you know, so when you're walking down the street, if there's unclean, unclean, you're like, go to the other side. Um, wouldn't it be awesome? If somebody walks up. I deal with anger issues all the time. You know, you know, I'm a very jealous person. <laughs> hey, let's go out. You know, I'm, so I don't know. Um, so, uh, It'd be awesome if we kind of could broadcast it. I'm just thinking out loud. That's not in my notes. That's just, that's God right there. Um, but uh, Luke 17, um, here's what's going on. I'll start in verse um, 11. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus, he, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. These are two areas, two regions, two nationalities that would exist in this Uh, And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When Jesus saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. And so there's some things I want us to understand. I mean, we've talked about leprosy, but let's understand some things. These 10 are gathered together because isn't it amazing how, how we will we're wired for community. We're wired for relationship. So we'll do anything we can to find that. Um, so these 10 lepers were together. So it's, you know, I was thinking this week that how misery loves company, you know, or may, and they, maybe they, there was a high need for each other. You know I mean? I don't know. Maybe it's like, hey, Bob, have you seen my thumb? But I mean, <laughs> which gives a whole new meaning to the kids got your nose thing, which scares every grandchild to death. But, um, but they found connection with each other. There, there's a common commonality with their, their connection, but it's their disease, it's their pain, it's their struggle. Um, and they recognize Jesus, they see Jesus coming. Jesus had no problem drawing a crowd. 
I mean, they'd heard the stories, and I think it's interesting how they call out to him. They yell out to him because they can't be in the crowd or with the crowd. So they yell out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, when you break down that request, they didn't say, Jesus, if you are who you say you are, heal us, cleanse us, fix us. They said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. The word master means chief commander. It's the same word that Peter used when Jesus got in his boat and Jesus said, hey, Peter, I know you fished all night, but I want you to go out and put your nets out in the deep during the day. And Peter says, master, we've toiled all night. What he's saying is I recognize your authority. You're the chief commander. And when you're in my boat, you're the chief commander and I'm recognizing your authority, but we've done this and it hasn't worked. What these lepers are saying is Jesus, you are the commander. We recognize your authority. You have authority over sickness, over disease. And they're asking to have mercy on us. Isn't it amazing how when we get into situations, what we're asking for is God fix me, but they were asking for mercy. I mean, I, I, and I do, it, we don't have an insight into the scripture and into the story. Are they asking for mercy to die with as little pain as possible? Are they asking for mercy to be healed? Are they, they're just asking for mercy. They're letting Jesus provide what they need. And so Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. And so uh, the priest was the one who would declare a leper clean after they had been healed. Most of them were not healed, but the priests would declare them clean. When they were declared clean, they could come back in to community and society. But notice that it said, and as they went, they were cleansed. As they went. That's a beautiful picture of faith and obedience. How many of us, you know, if you have leprosy, please go ahead and shout unclean. But, um, but how many of us are bound up in some situation. I mean, we're just, I mean, we're in, we're in the fight of our life, it feels like. And, and we're praying, God, fix this. God, help me. God, do something. God, I need wisdom. God, can you change her? Can you change him? Can you change my kid? You're, you're praying and you're, you're, you feel like you're in that desperate fight right now. Can I, can I challenge you with something? What's Jesus asking you to do? Because when we're obedient with that is when something starts happening. Because Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. It took faith from the lepers. Hey, hey, the chief commander said to go to the priest. So I'm going. It says, as they were going, they were cleansed. How many of us stay broken in a situation and we never see anything change with, with what's going on around us because we don't start walking in obedience. It takes faith to walk in obedience. They took Jesus at his word. They had faith. Go see the priest. Okay, he's the one who can heal us. He said, go see the priest. He's sending us to the priest so we can get back, in, get back with people. Our lives get back. Our lives can get restored. And they're walking in this beautiful obedience. And then, then something happens. It says, um, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Now this is interesting, and I love that the Gospels are filled with stories with, of, of, the, 
of Jesus interacting with Samaritans, and it actually is, is an incredible interaction because to give you some history, um, the Jews looked at the Samaritans as half-breeds. They, they, they were outcasts. There was a racial division. There was racial profiling and racial division that was happening between the Jews and the Samaritans. Matter of fact, in, in, in this time of Jesus, in the first century, what would happen is people would travel, Jews would travel around Samaria. Instead of going through it, they would travel around it because they didn't want to interact with the people. There was such a deep hatred going on. And, and, and what I love, Jesus is walking between the two countries, Galilee and Samaria, and he's like walking that middle line. And I love that Jesus is awesome at breaking down barriers. You know, Jesus just doesn't say, hey, I only go to these people, I only go to these people. You know, if, if we want to really get an idea of how to deal with racial issues, let's look at Jesus. Because you have an incredible coming together of people. You have an incredible, just Jesus sees people. You know, I hear people say love is colorblind. It's not. I think love sees color, celebrates color, and says, I still love you. I think if there's any color that, you can clap for that. I mean, I, mean, we, we, I think the church should be the leading edge of, of helping racial issues in our culture. Um, I think if there is only one color that love sees, it should be red. Because we all have the same color blood, and it was the same color blood that Jesus poured for every one of us, regardless of color, regardless of race, regardless of any of our brokenness. So I love how Jesus has the, the, the beautiful thing to break down barriers. And so you have this happening, and then Jesus answered. He looks at the crowd. So he's speaking to the crowd at this point. He says, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return to give praise to God except this foreigner? So what he's saying is, so think of the scene. He has a Samaritan at his feet. If you, if you remember in John chapter 4, there's the woman at the well. She was a Samaritan, and Jesus has an exchange, a conversation with her. And, and, and there's incredible salvation, and a whole village comes to know Jesus because of this interaction with this uh, woman of a rough reputation, we'll call it. And, and, and so picture the scene. Jesus is there. He's got a Samaritan who, had just, who has just been cleansed of leprosy. And he's at his feet. And he's looking at the crowd going, didn't 10 get healed? And only one came back to give thanks? You know, because remember, Jesus' heart, he, he's not downplaying What's happening here? I'm going to talk about what's happening here in a minute. But he's, he's also the type of person that would say, he's here. I'm going after the 99. Weren't there 10 that were cleansed? Where's everybody else? Now, because Luke was very succinct in saying he was between Samaria and Galilee, that it was probably a mixed group of people. So for the Jews hearing this, they're saying, um, that doesn't, that ain't what my daddy talked about. And so Jesus says to the crowd, but then he looks down and he says, go, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. The, when you go and look at the Greek, and you don't have to because I did it for you, it literally translates, your faith has saved you. 
10 were cleansed, one was saved. What, what's beautiful in this is as the 10 call out to Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. Gone. So they start walking and one looks and he starts to see his skin change. He sees that he's healed and, and, and he decides before I go to the priest to be able for him to tell me that I'm fixed, I'm going back to Jesus because there's something about his power. There's something about him. There's something about this. I cannot, and he returns praising God, thanking God. And it says that he falls at his feet. That's a posture of worship. You have this man who was an outcast who was dying of a skin disease that would have been a very painful death at the feet of Jesus, fully cleansed, worshiping him. And Jesus says, your faith has saved you. Now go on your way. See, what, what I find interesting is all 10 were cleansed. Something's gonna get them. They're all gonna die. None of us get out of this alive. But only one found life. Only one came back to say thank you. And I, I guess the big question this morning is, are you the one? I mean, I, I love personality tests. I love, you know, answering the questions and figuring out, and, you know, and, and you know, I remember growing up, girls, I have two sisters, so I know how it rolls. You have all the, the magazines, like, is he the one for you, you know? You know, and you do the thing, I want to know if he's the one. And guys, we, we're just like, yeah, she's the one. I'll, let me tell you how I knew Heather was the one. She was holding a plate of chocolate-covered strawberries the first time I saw her. I mean, I thought, she's the one. Boom. <laughs> But, but I, and, and, and when we, whenever we hire staff, we put them through a battery of tests because I want to know what their personality is. I want to know if they have one. Um, but uh, we don't put them through an IQ test. That's the intelligence quotients. That's to determine how smart they are um, because I, I don't think I can pass that one. But the one that I lock in on, it's called EQ. I don't know if you've heard about this. It's called emotional quotient. And this levels our abilities to interact with people. So what is our sympathy like? What is our, our self-awareness like? How do, we, how do we gauge ourselves and how are we perceiving ourselves and others in social situations? Because, you know, if you hire a pastor that can't interact with people, we have set us up for a big problem. Um, you know, it's kind of like a shepherd that hates sheep. You know, it's like, you know, I just want the paycheck. I hate your sheep. But, um, you know, you will not last long here. Um, and so we don't even want those in the door. So we put them through all these tests. And so, but I love the EQ test because I love interacting with people and love how seeing, I love seeing how people interact with each other. So our staff goes through a lot of EQ uh, training and coaching. I'm going to introduce a new one today called GQ. I don't mean like, yeah, GQ, you know, because I don't really feel GQ. I don't look GQ. But GQ is our gratitude quotient. I mean, what is our level of gratitude? How grateful are we to Jesus? Are you the one? I mean, there's, there's a lot of people who, who Jesus blesses. There's a lot of people who Jesus has mercy on, but are you the one? Are you the one that puts yourself at the feet of Jesus and your life is changed as a result of it? What's your level of gratitude for, for God in your life? And, and so I put together some little survey questions. I don't expect you to do your zero to five today, I'd love for you to spend some time thinking about it this week to find out if you're the one. 
But the first question is this, do we, do we recognize our desperate need for Jesus? See, these 10 lepers recognized they had a desperate need in their life. They recognize, okay, I, I am dying. I have this disease and it is going to slowly eat my flesh and, and I have a desperate need for healing. And when Jesus comes by, they shout, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. They recognize their need for Jesus. Now, you may be at a place this morning, maybe you got drug here, maybe you said, hey, we're going to brunch and I want to stop here on the way, and you didn't know what this was, this building, what is that, you know, is that like home goods? No, we're better than home goods, you know, oh man, home goods would be like hell, this is like heaven, but um, I've been to home goods, so yes, I can say that. Heather has drugged me in there, that's when I start thinking, maybe she wasn't the one, but um, but maybe you're here this morning, and you're like, you know, I... I I don't need God. Let me say this to you. I am glad you're here. And I can't force this on you. We're not gonna force faith down your throat. See, you can't force relationship. Where the church has gotten in trouble over many millennia is we've tried to force religion. And you can enforce religion, but you will never gain compliance. You will never ever force someone to fall in love. And all I want to ask you to do, if you, if you say, I have no need for Jesus, I just want you to say, would you at least walk with us to see if he's the one? But what is your need for Jesus? I, I, I'm, honestly, I, I have a need for just more than healing. I need to be at the feet of Jesus. My life needs to be lived at the feet of Jesus. I know myself. I know my addictions, my appetites, my tendencies. I know where I fall. I know, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a smart man, but I know this enough about myself that if my life is not continually placed at the feet of Jesus in an attitude of worship, then I will do nothing to advance the kingdom of heaven. My, own, my entire life would advance the kingdom of death, the kingdom of hell instead of life. And, and I know that about myself. And I know that every day I have to just, as the apostle Paul said in the New Testament, I die daily. Every day I have to say, Jesus, I'm placing myself at your feet. My face is at your feet, Jesus, because you, master, chief commander, have had mercy on me, that you have placed this faith in me, that you have saved me, and I live this life for you. And Jesus, I want my life to be lived as an offering for you. Notice that Jesus said, you know, your faith has saved you, go on your way. Jesus, before I go on my way, I need to spend some time at your feet realigning my life because I have a desperate need for you. And I recognize that. I want that in my life. I have seen the benefits of Jesus. The next few questions are, are really more about Jesus and his benefits and the relational aspect of our faith. Do I, do I recognize my desperate need for Jesus? Am I pursuing an exchange from Jesus? 10 lepers had an exchange. They exchanged disease for health. They exchanged being an outcast to being connected. They could, they could come back into society. Many of them could even go back home. I mean, can you imagine that walking in the door and like, mom, I'm home. 
And she's like, wait, I thought you were. He's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm clean. They got to come back in the home. And, and, and there is this exchange. And, and in Christianity, there is an exchange. That when we humble ourselves at the feet of Jesus and we call on him for mercy and he gives us the salvation, what is exchanged is all of my sin, all of my brokenness, all of my shame, all of my guilt is exchanged for his righteousness. That when God looks at me through the blood of Jesus, he doesn't see this broken mess of a man who struggles every day to get his, drag his life to the feet of Jesus. But he sees me as the righteousness that Jesus exchanged for me on the cross. So there is an exchange. But our faith cannot just be about the exchange. Because if we let it be just about the exchange, we've entered into a, a transactional Christianity. And it's interesting that we've got a term in our society called transactional relationships. Those are really oxymorons to me. Because if my relationship with you is simply transactional, we don't have a relationship. We have a business. I will give you this if you give me this. Most marriages are on, in, in extreme difficulty and on life support. Dial 911 for the marriage because it is it is degraded to the level of a transactional relationship. Well, you do the yard, I'll do the dishes. You make the bed, I'll do the laundry. You do this, you do this. You take the kids, I'll do this. And we've reduced our relationships to a series of transactions. And when I, when I go to the store, yeah, I'm making a transaction, but here, here's one thing that I do every time I'm in the checkout line. And sometimes I have a lot of time to think about it because the line's long. But I want to have an interaction, not just a transaction. God, you put me in this checkout line to teach me patience, I guess, today. Because every other line seems to be moving fast. But you have something. You want me to have an interaction with that checker right there. Not just a transaction. In, my, in our marriage, think about this. Think about when you fell in love. And Heather and I have been married 23 years. First time I saw her, I knew I was going to marry her. Didn't know her. She didn't know me. But like I said, she was holding a plate of chocolate-covered strawberries. I was like, that's the girl I'm going to marry. My, my best friend said, you're full of crap. I said, no, I'm, I'm serious. I don't know how. And I heard angels singing. It was like, ah. Oh. I was like, Pfft. you know. It was angels and then um, Jimi Hendrix, Foxy. Foxy. <laughs> so, but... um. <laughs> but I remember just knowing her name. Like, oh, Heather. It's a beautiful name. It's the best name on the world. Where have your experiences gone? Are they just transactions and exchanges now? Get back to have an experience of falling in love. Are you pursuing an exchange from Jesus. Next one, am I pursuing an experience with Jesus? 10 had an exchange, one had an experience. Are you the one? And this is an ongoing experience.
this isn't just Jesus, give me this for this. Because the problem with the exchange mentality and transactional Christianity is this. It will not sustain you. You will walk away without an experience with Jesus. And I'll say this, without an ongoing experience with Jesus, you'll walk away. Because the moment he doesn't give you what you want, you determine he's not the one. And the disciples, after everything they had seen around Jesus, miracles, miracles, miracles. One time they, I mean, there's, they, they fed 5,000 men. They get in the boat and this is what the disciples said. Are you the one? <laughs> Jesus is like, are you, are you so stupid? <laughs> but every one of us, if we're in a transactional relationship with Jesus, will gauge his love for us based on what he gives us. And when he doesn't give us what we want, we pout. Here's what I've learned. He doesn't give me everything he wants, but he knows and supplies my needs. If you're a parent, you understand that. When your kids throw the fit because they don't get what they want, no, I'm not giving you a 20-ounce Mountain Dew at 10 o'clock at night. Because you as the parent know better. God as our Father knows better, and we pout about it. Are we pursuing an experience? The difference in exchange and experience with Jesus is this. Exchange is forgive me. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Exchange, experience is this. Jesus, change me. I mean, and don't, don't get me wrong. Some, don't, don't walk out and go, well, when I pray, I can't say forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for this. No, no, no. We've got to ask for forgiveness because we're people. But let me, let me give you some challenges here on your, on your, your prayer life is this. Um, is it all just forgive me that, that I said that to that person? Forgive me that I did this. Forgive me for how I acted. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Or are we spending time at the feet of Jesus going, I'm in your presence, Jesus, and in your presence is where you change me. Change me, change my heart. Change my heart. So, because what I've learned is when, when Jesus changes my heart, my language changes. When Jesus changes my heart, my appetites change. When Jesus changes my heart, it changes how I can love people around me. Forgive me is just the externals. Change me, internal. Let's do something here, Jesus. What's your prayer life like? Is your prayer time simply the list? Well, Jesus, I need this, 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 this. I mean, are you reading off a, are you giving prayer requests to Jesus like a grocery list? Jesus, I need you to, I need you to increase my finances. I need you, man, I'm, 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 I'm not feeling well, so I need your healing. God, I need you to fix my boss. They a jacked up mess. God, I need you to change this person, change this person. You know, God, really, there's a lot of people you need to change. You just give them a list. And be like, all right. Let me know when you get those done. Oh, don't worry, I'll know when you get those done. Because I'm gonna like my job. I'm gonna have more money than I know what to do with. Are we just given the list? Here's a filter in that. I mean, there are people in our lives that give good presents. I mean, they, they bless us. I mean, two years ago, Heather's parents gave us a Cadillac. 
I mean, that's a, that's a huge blessing. And, and we're grateful for it. But what I love most is their presence in my life. It's not about what they give me. It's about who they are in my life. I mean, think about, think about people in your life that, that they're giving people, but is your relationship with them based on what they give you or who they are? The best way to filter is, is if they were to be gone today, what would you miss most? The gifts they give you or their presence in your life? That, that's a filter. Because then that leads us into the final question. What's our level of gratitude? What's my attitude towards this with Jesus? You know, one of my favorite passages is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. This is, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. If you got your Bible, underline that with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. Why is thanksgiving so vital in this? Because it changes our heart. The thanksgiving element is what leads us to that peace of God that surpasses understanding. The thanksgiving is what opens up the ability for Jesus to guard our heart and our mind. Now, this is, this, is, this is what Scripture is teaching us. You want a practical example? I read a study this week, a psychological study this week, of a university that, was, that had a college of counseling, and they were offering to the community free counseling with the students so they could get their hours, but they were offering professional counseling. And so they had a group of people that, that they were going to start in this process of counseling that were dealing with the... What were they doing? Oh, I feel like Porky Pig for all this... Depression and anxiety. So they separated them into three groups. They didn't tell them what was going on. They were doing an experiment. To the first group, they said, we're going to give you counseling. Let's go. Let's do this. So they get into counseling, and they're, you know, it's laying on the couch. Tell me about your mother, all the pain in your past. The second group, they said, you're going to get counseling, but we want you to do this. We want you to revisit the painful experiences of your past and write about your feelings. How did you feel when this was going on? How did you process what was going on? So they do that. The third group, they said, we're gonna give you counseling, but we want you to do a writing experiment that twice a week, you, we want you to write a letter to someone in your life thanking them. We want you to do a gratitude letter. So thank somebody in your life twice a week. Write them, sit down, physically write them a letter and send them a letter of gratitude. After 12 weeks, what they found is groups one and two were, were still dealing with issues in the same vein. They're still dealing with ups and downs, with depression and anxiety. Um, they'd seen some make some progress, some not, but they, they'd seen some things happen. The third group was day and night. What they discovered is the toxicity of their emotional state based on their past had completely changed. That, that their, they, their, their outlook on life was completely different regardless of the circumstance that they're in. And what, what these brilliant psychologists discovered is what the Bible has been teaching us for thousands of years. That gratitude changes everything. They found that these people tended to, to be able to process ups and downs more easily. 
even in the same situation. So, so gratitude, thankfulness, when you present your request before God with thanksgiving, it may not change your situation, but it changes you in the situation. Last year, my computer died. I lean on my computer heavily. You know, I have to write a paper every week. At least one paper is what it boils down to. I feel like I'm still in college. But I remember it died, and I remember jacking around at the, the Apple store. Four trips, ain't nothing happening. I needed someone with the gift of interpretation to come with me to talk to these geniuses. And I remember pulling out of the parking lot after the fourth time, and ain't nothing fixed, and I'm... I just remember complaining. I was like, God, you know I got all this work to do. I'm, I'm whining. And all of a sudden I feel God just say this, hey, Matt, thank me. I'm like, oh, what? Thank me. And I'll be honest with you, I had nothing. I'm driving. All right, thank you. Um, thank you for that breath I just took. Thank me. Thank you for that other breath I just took. <laughs> I mean, this went on. <laughs> but then it started, found myself at the feet of Jesus instead of trying to walk to the priest. And it was, thank you that I even have a computer. Thank you that I have access to technology. But then it started getting real. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you that I don't need a computer to preach the gospel because I've hidden your word in my heart. Thank you for your word. Thank you for hiding your word in my heart. Thank you for reminding me. Thank you for grace. Thank you for, I mean, and next thing I know, man, I'm not all balled up and anxious. I've got, there's peace. My computer's still jacked up. I still don't know what's going on. But you know what? I got peace. Gratitude changes everything. So I wanna ask you this. Are you the one? Because there's something about this because, man, in Psalms teaches us to enter his courts with praise and thanksgiving in our hearts. Are you the one? Are you the one this morning that, that it's for the first time in your life, you're gonna find yourself at the feet of Jesus saying, I need you. I have a desperate need for you and you alone, Jesus. Are you gonna be the one that stops looking at the situations and giving God the checklist and say, God, thank you in these situations? Let's pray. I wanna, I wanna pray for us and I want you to pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for you. We thank you that, that as we live lives of gratitude towards you as our gratitude quotient is rising, that you bring a peace that we can't even understand, that you guard our heart and our mind in you, Christ Jesus. We thank you for that. Jesus, some this morning need salvation. They need an experience with you. They need that faith this morning to save them not just to walk away from here with a, a clear conscience, but walk away from here with an abundant life, an eternal life. So Jesus, I'm asking you for the courage in those lives in this room this morning to just declare that you are the master, you are chief commander, that you are Lord. 
Just help them say this to you, Jesus. Jesus, I give my life to you. I'm asking for an exchange of my life for yours. I'm asking you to take my brokenness in exchange for your reconciliation. I'm asking you to take my sin in exchange for your righteousness. I'm asking you to take all of me for all of you. Save me, Jesus. Forgive me. Make me new. Jesus, for the rest of us in this room, we need to be reminded that that we've got to get back to this heart of gratitude. And we just thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. And I'd like for you to spend the next 15 seconds just thanking God. It might be for the breath you just took, but you know what? When you start thinking about it, There's a lot going on in your life to be thankful for. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in your life. I get it. We all get it. We all got messes. We all got that. But start thanking God, even in it. we thank you for this morning and for all that you've given us. God, help us to be filled with gratitude as we leave here today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at thecreekfw.com.